little trouble there. Let's pick it up at 17. Ready? Five, six, and. Not, not quite my tempo. Here we go. Five, six, and. Downbeat on 18. Okay, here we go. Bar 17, the and of four. Got it? Five, six, seven. Not quite my tempo. It's all good. No worries. Here we go. Five, six, seven. You're rushing. Here we go. Uh, ready? Okay. Five, six, and. Dragging just a hair. Wait for my cue. Five, six, seven. Rushing. Five, six, and. Dragging. Suppose I just hurled a chair at your head, Neiman. I, I don't know. True. What is up and welcome to Rotten Potatoes Podcast, uh, where we review movies that you absolutely should have seen already. My name is Tyler and I'm here with my three best friends, uh, except for Dan, who's not here. But three of my best friends. Uh, why don't you guys introduce yourselves? I'm Mike. <laughs> Back here again, huh? <laughs> I'm Jake, and I just appreciate being back to best friends. <laughs> I'm Zach. I appreciate it too. And I'm Scott. <laughs> he doesn't care. Who's that mic guy? I. It was my mic just was making noises. <laughs> your mic just oh, said your words. Yeah, your mic, mic was speaking. Yeah, yeah, it was a mic problem. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that we were doing puns on this podcast. Oh, that's all we do is puns. Okay. Uh. Well, we are going to do the uh, exceptionally dramatic whiplash today. Uh, this is my recommendation, and uh, I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah. I'm uh, Scott, wh- why don't you kick us off with uh, some of the facts about this movie? Yeah, so uh, I don't know any of these people, but I'm just kind of going to read this stuff to you. So it was <laughs> directed by Damien Chazelle. I said that right. It was also written <laughs> by Damien Chazelle. Uh, which he's great at what he does because he did a movie. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey. Anybody who does a movie I mean, is hey, great at making movies. <laughs> no, no, no. The guy who did the guy I've never felt the guy who did Napoleon Dynamite also did a movie. <laughs> yeah, the guy who did Napoleon <laughs> Dynamite made a bunch of money, and everybody's seen that movie, so he's great at it. Right? Yeah, no, he did great for himself. I just want to give Zach the opportunity to to give a little bit more color commentary on Damien Chazelle. Yeah, Zach, tell me about Damien Chazelle. Damien Chazelle has also directed La La Land, and then he directed. Oh, I like um, that. You really like jazz. He does really like jazz. Um, funny enough, he's actually buddies with the guy who uh, is named Justin Hurwitz, the um, composer for this movie Was La this La the Land. Guy that claims to be the savior of jazz. No, that's Ryan Gosling. I forgot what? that Ryan Gosling did save jazz. Yeah, did you not see La La Land? That's like the main part of it. Well, it was revealed that Scott doesn't remember watching it with me before this podcast. <laughs> I, I don't remember you being there. I remember watching it. Uh, sad. But no, I wasn't this... watching you. I was watching the movie. <laughs> oh, I was watching you. <laughs> this is the, this is the guy. Damien Chazelle has made these movies and has talked about that he believes that jazz is dying and that he can be the savior of jazz through his movies and so his first three films were all about jazz mm. what was the uh, other one the third one yeah uh it was his first movie and it has a really long title i don't remember what it's called um but it's about jazz and it's it's a, like a student film it wasn't good it's like once upon a time in jazzy hollywood yeah it was kind of like that uh but it didn't do very well no 
There's a thing with the check in the savings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he that did was the problem. It was mostly money. <laughs> he did save Jazz, though. That's true. Jazz is back. Uh, that guys. remains to be seen. It's safe. Mm. I mean, it's still around, so I don't know if it ever needed saving. <laughs> it's still around because he saved it. Uh, well, uh, he also uh, more recently uh, directed First Man. I don't know what that is. Yeah, me either. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, man. It was really mm. good. It was a Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling played uh, uh, Neil Armstrong. I haven't seen it. I wanted to see it. Yeah, it was really good. It's moody. It's intense, but it's really good. It's my least favorite movie that I've seen from Chazelle, but it's still good. I do think it's worth watching. Yeah. I would I would say that it's not as good of a space movie as Apollo 13. Okay. Way better than Space Cowboys, though. Is it better than Armageddon? Yes. Uh, Did they nuke the moon in that movie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they do. All right. This was released January 16th of 2014. Um, and it did $49 million in the box office, which is really great considering it only spent $3.3 million. That's a solid return. Very solid. It's I over mean, 10 times. It's way better than Steve Zissou. That's <laughs> way better than Steve Zissou, <laughs> for sure. Uh, the other guys gave it a 93%, and IMDb gave it an 8.5. It won Best Supporting Actor. Woo-woo, J.K. Simmons. It also won Best Sound and Best Editing. And it was also nominated for Best Picture and Best Screenplay. Hmm. But sadly, it, it, it lost. It didn't w- win either of those. They lost both of those to Birdman. Uh, Birdman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting, like, thinking about J.K. Simmons. I know that he is a supporting actor, but thinking about this movie, all you think about is J.K. Simmons. Like, oh, 100%. Yeah, I don't even know the other guy's name. <laughs> Miles Teller? Yeah, Miles Teller. <laughs> Miles Teller's a good actor, too. Yeah. What, what else is he in? <laughs> He's in quite well, a bit. He's, he's in quite a bit. Yeah, he's the in the spectacular. spectacular yeah, haven't seen it. He's gonna be in Top Gun too. Oh, nice. True. Can't wait are to there, see Doc Cameron. Are there, there like bigger ones that I've seen that you think I would have seen? Well, he was in the the second reboot, I guess, of Fantastic Four. Oh, that's <laughs> what I know him from. Yeah, I never saw that one, but I remember like him from like the. There was a he second reboot of Fantastic Four. Yeah, he was uh, he was the the stretchy one. Yep, <laughs> the, the stretchy one. Mr. Fantastic. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Okay. yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to when that actually makes it into the MCU. It's kind of funny because uh, neither, well, I guess now sort of in the MCU, but both uh, both J.K. Simmons and Miles Teller were in non MCU Marvel movies. J.K. Uh, Simmons yeah, was, of course, J. Jonah Jameson. That's well, Jameson. Is I know. That's why I said, well, sort of now. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but at the time of this movie, they were both non-MCU Marvel mm-hmm. uh, supporting people, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. J- this, this movie, to me, is a powerhouse uh, for J.K. Simmons. I mean, like, I... I loved J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson. I was so glad they brought him back in the most recent Spider-Man, Spider-Man Far From Home uh, at the very end there. But this to me is like the benchmark that I will judge all other J.K. Simmons roles off of. Uh, That's a high bar. This is it. Bring it It back down to J. Jonah Jameson so you can like some other uh, J.K. Simmons movies. (laughs) Well, you know, he's in... uh, He's in a new Apple uh, Plus TV show uh, with Chris Evans called uh, uh, Defending Jacob, uh, and he's terrific in it. Uh, he's not nearly as intense of a character, uh, but he still brings a level of, like, realness to the role that, like, man, I, I'm just blown away by him. What insurance company did he use to do? He still does insurance for a state farm, I think. Was it state? No. Yeah, I haven't seen him do it in years, but it might be all. Oh no, it's not all state. All but st- no. What's the other one? Think it is state farm. Those are the only two. Geico. Nah. Oh no, he does still do them. It's the. Uh, I think it's. I think it's State Farm. He has done a lot of really great roles, and uh, I don't think his insurance commercial is worth spending this much time over. I think that that's I his best know. role. I. Re- I have State Farm because of him. Mm. Well, I chose this movie. Sorry, I was I was eating a cashew. 
Uh, I'm starving. I <laughs> sorry for all of our like listeners out there who have misophonia, don't like sounds because you know. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's I'm just really hungry. Don't listen to podcasts if you don't like sound. <laughs> <laughs> Mouth noises other than speech. Uh, I chose this movie because I absolutely love it. And actually kind of funny, um, a little bit ago, we were talking about you know what we were going to be each nominating next. And Zach had chosen Whiplash and then pivoted to another movie. And I was like, well, then I'm choosing Whiplash because uh, I, I absolutely love this film. Uh, I've loved it from, uh, you know, seeing it in theaters. I've seen it several times since then. And uh, I, I just think it's absolutely terrific. I think it's an outstanding film. Miles Teller is fantastic. Obviously, we've talked a lot about J.K. Simmons. We can't talk enough about him. The score is terrific. Uh, the editing is, like, some of the best editing. The editing inspired me a ton. And I... Like, in some of my creative pursuits, I often think back to the editing of this movie to try and, like, kind of draw from that, draw inspiration from that. Um, this year at the Academy Awards 2015 was super tough for me because I loved Birdman. Uh, I, I, I really liked Birdman a ton. Um, but... I loved Whiplash more, and I really wanted Whiplash to win, and Birdman beat it out on both fronts. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Zach probably knows better uh, than mm-hmm. anyone. Was this the year after or the year before that Inurutu won for The Revenant? This was before. Okay, so he won Birdman and then Revenant back-to-back. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um. But yeah, I, I I would have loved to have seen. I, I loved Birdman, but I really would have loved to have seen Best Picture. I haven't seen Birdman. Oh really? I haven't either. I hope. Well, I think it has to go on the list. I hope Chazelle can pull out a, a Best Picture at some point in his career. He's had two movies that have been nominated, and neither of them won. Yeah. What was his other one? La La Land. Oh. <laughs> That one actually did win. I thought that one won awards. It did. No. And then they it won awards, but they not took Best it away, Picture. Right. Oh. They announced that it won, and but then it didn't win. Yeah, then they oh, realized it was that one. <laughs> yeah, they pulled a Steve Harvey. They did. That happened the same year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a rough year for award shows. Uh, all right, Zach, you had seen this movie before. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you what What do you like about it? Uh, everything. I I love everything about this movie. Um, and I I really liked it when it came out. Um, but then, like we mentioned earlier, Chazelle uh made La La Land, and La La Land is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, and so I think for the longest time, whenever I'd think of Chazelle, I would just think of La La Land, and I kind of forgot just how great Whiplash really is. And so I'm really happy that we got to go back and watch this because I forgot just how really freaking good it is. Um. Just on all fronts. Uh, yeah, I can't say enough good things about it. it uh, Tyler, I think you kind of already touched on all the points. It's editing. The music is so good. J.K. Simmons uh, is just phenomenal in this role. He almost feels like, at points, it almost feels like I'm watching a horror movie and that Fletcher is like the monster in a horror movie. Like His presence is almost scary. And there's just the way that Chazelle really like creatively shot this movie scenes where the camera will whip to Fletcher and he's somewhere that you didn't expect him to be. And it's almost kind of jolting and, and stressful to see him just pop up. Uh, I think the story is great. I think Miles Teller is really great. This was the movie that really won me over to Miles Teller. Um, I love the way it looks. It, I just wanted to cut you off real quick. Just to say, it's funny that you mention. um, it's funny that you mention how the presence that Simmons has. Uh, Damien Chazelle, uh, in an interview, talked about how he actually based the character of Fletcher off of his high school uh, band teacher, uh, and just how imit- uh, um, sorry how intimidated he was by his band teacher's presence. Interesting. And so he kind of like took that feeling from his childhood and kind of wrote that into this character. Well, you know what we were talking about. Uh, talking a bit about this before we started recording, but uh, nobody even addresses Fletcher by name until an hour into this movie, and this movie's not that long, right? So that's kind of like that 
just intimidating, like, guy. Nobody even wants to speak to him. Yeah, yeah, he talks to everyone. Like, it. Uh, I want to get ahead of myself. But, yeah, he talks to all these people. No one speaks to him even for, for you know, a good portion of the movie. You know what this movie really remi- reminded me of in a few ways was um, it felt very similar to The Social Network. I don't know if yeah. you – I feel like it's the same color grade. It's color. Yeah. yeah it's color for sure. Even the, like uh, – title cards at the be- at the bottom of the screen when we'd kind of announced the setting it looks like the same font some of the dialogue too uh feels very um well i'm blanking on his Sorry, name yeah. now yeah exactly and kind of uh andrew's obsession with um being great and how that kind of impedes on his potential relationships i found a lot of similarities all right, well, Jake and Scott, you guys were our late bloomers. What did you guys think? We'll start with you, Jake. I really I really loved it. Um, it's funny, we were talking about, I forgot his name already, I'm sorry to say, uh, being the savior of Jess Chazelle. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, because, like, I feel like he might have turned me around onto jazz music, like, with this and with La La Land. Like, I never felt, I, I felt, I really related to Emma Stone's character in La La Land when she's like, Kenny G, that's jazz, right? Uh, and then you listen to this and it's like, okay, I can get on board with this, you know? Um, and so I really, I liked the music. I love JK Simmons. I, I, I really like this movie. Scott, what did you, uh, what was your take? I actually want to switch things up for a second. What do you guys think I thought of it? <laughs> I watched it with you, so I'm not going to answer. I'm going to let these guys answer. Yeah. First. I want to hear what Zach thinks I thought of it. I would have thought that, I mean, I feel like my first guess would be that anyone who would watch this movie would like it. Cause like, why would you not like this movie? But then also last time you rated Memento higher than I thought you would. And you said that you've been kind of trying to mess with us. So I feel like you liked this movie. I feel like he didn't Jake, like what this do you movie. think? Uh, and I don't have any specific reasons. It's just a feeling I had watching this movie. Just how could anyone not like this movie, though? Well, how could anybody call I, There Will Be Blood a 5.8? You know? <laughs> like, I think that Scott liked this movie, but did not love this movie. I think that he's going to rate this somewhere in the sixes. Oh, gosh. Uh, that's my guess. I yeah, don't know. Yeah, yeah. Gonna, we need see. to hear from him. We need yeah. to hear from the horse's mouth. Yeah, I'm a horse. <laughs> um, no, I, I did enjoy this movie. I thought I liked the intensity of the movie. Um, and yeah, J.K. Simmons did a great job. Um, it was probably the best role I've ever seen him in, um, aside from his uh, State Farm commercials. Mm. <laughs> Which are objectively better. Objectively just the best. <laughs> I don't know if there's acting better than that. <laughs> yeah, they um, like show no. that in acting school, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's what, what they I built liked him about this, actually, and I just thought about this. I didn't hear what you said. You <laughs> oh, nothing else. It was a dumb joke that they build him as that. <laughs> guy from the state farm Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um what i liked about this and i just thought about this as we were recording is our main character is kind of the opposite of uh joseph gordon levitt's character in 500 days of summer like he's obsessed with his work and his neglecting relationship and the other one was neglecting uh work to embrace the relationship and so it's like you kind of see like these two different people playing out very different scenarios, kind of like acting in opposite ways, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I, I enjoyed the movie. Uh, there are, are maybe some little things I might've changed. Um, like the, the nine minute drum scene at the end. <laughs> um, but it was, it, it kept building intensity the whole time and then it just cut and it was over. And I was like, okay, like I can breathe again. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it was good. It was enjoyable. Was that scene too long in your opinion? Yeah, it was just a little too long. Like, I, I agree with, I don't remember who, what critics said it. or It was the network. It was the studio. Yeah. I would probably agree with that. Like, okay, we got the point across. Like, he is great. He's he's the best drummer there is, whatever. We get it. He's a good, you don't he's have good to at keep, drumming. Like, <laughs> I'm not into drumming. You don't have to show me. We get it. Like, I just want to know that he is good. He saved jazz. We get it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Freebird is one of my favorite songs, so... It didn't even feel that long to me. So there's a five-minute <laughs> five guitar solo in Freebird. 
Yeah, I think Freebird in totality is what, like 11 yeah, minutes? Yeah, about. I have a, a, a one of my dad's old uh, vinyls, and it has Freebird on it, and it's about half the side. If you look at it. <laughs> <laughs> is it a, a 33 or a 45? A uh, 33. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a big side. <laughs> um, yeah. I, uh, I, I love this. Like I said, I, I love this from the opening. Uh, so in the opening of this movie, um, you have, uh, this character who we don't even have a name for yet. And we just have this slow push down a hallway, uh, toward this person who's drumming. And, uh, as it, as we get into the room with him, we we see that like yeah he's a he's a pretty good drummer but he's alone he's alone in this room practicing, and all of a sudden he stops and looks up, and we're introduced to now, the antagonist of the movie, uh, J.K. Simmons sort of walks from the shadow into the light, and uh, and he says do you know who I am and he says yeah, and he says, you know well, let's hear it. And he like starts playing and then he stops and, and he's like, was that your, is that how you answer my question? You just like start playing like a wind up toy. Like there's just this tension in this dialogue between them. And then eventually JK just the, the character Fletcher played by JK Simmons just walks out of the room without announcing anything. And Andrew uh, this character just feels so defeated. And I love this opening scene. This is all before the opening uh, the opening credits. And it really just paints the picture for the whole movie for us. That we have this young kid who's trying to be a drummer that wants so desperately to gain the approval of this other person that he just kind of keeps, you know, messing up and fumbling his way into it. And this, this teacher is just... Uh, incapable of uh, empathy or praise or uh, anything like that. And that really kind of sets us up for the entire tone. It's like a microcosm of the entire movie is that opening scene. And so just from that first moment, I'm, I'm hooked on it. Uh, but we meet this character uh, a little bit more. Andrew, uh, he's at this fictional uh, music school, which is seems to be like sort of trying to like be Juilliard without saying Juilliard. Uh, and he is um, a freshman or a sophomore. I can't remember if he's a first year or a second year. I think he's a first year. I think he's a freshman. Yeah. And uh, he's okay, but he's not great. And uh, we are further introduced to this teacher character, Simmons, who does this yet again. He walks into, you know, Neiman's class this time and and just kind of walks through all the different sections. And, and it's just a little belittling. He's a little berating to everybody. like Even to the other teacher. Even to the other teacher. Yeah. yeah. Like the, and the other teacher is like, oh, shoot. Like, yeah. I'm not going to get in this guy's way. All right. Yeah, it just kind of gets out of his way. Um, and uh, he, you know, has the, the trombones play. And he's like, you know, play three bars of this. And they start. And he's like, nope. Moves on to, all right, strings, bones. He goes through everybody. Let's see like, if drums. your first chair, just because you're pretty, plays a little bit. Yep, <laughs> yep, that's why. Yep, that's why. <laughs> like, he's just ruthless. Uh, and ultimately, he picks Neiman uh, to to join his advanced group. Well, and Neiman is the second chair drummer in this. He's and a so page he, turner, essentially. Yeah, and so he has both drummers play, and then he just says, drummer, on and the first chair drummer actually gets up and starts walking is like what are you doing <laughs> you over there yeah you're coming with me yeah i didn't understand like why he picked him and maybe it's just because i don't have an ear for jazz drumming but like it didn't seem like he was markedly better than the guy that was in the first seat and they yeah. no and and in fact worse i mean just before this in the class uh andrew's playing and he's kind of messing up the the tempo he's kind of messing up some of the stuff and the the teacher in the class is like all right alter let's flip it alternate back core drummer up uh and so he's not as as good uh i just think that uh from that earlier picture of that that fletcher got of andrew 
that he saw in him something that could be great, like something that yeah, he, he could some mold. Kind of talent in there. Yeah. There's a there's a musician that they allude to a few times, and I don't remember his name, but um. Oh, the one that died? No, no, like a an actual um, famous musician who they referenced a few times how he wasn't great until this other musician like threw a symbol. Charlie Parker. Yeah, till someone else. Charlie Parker and JoJo. Uh, oh gosh, I'm blanking on his last name. JoJo something threw a symbol. Rep. Yeah, and and I I think that uh, J.K. Simmons is looking for that Charlie Parker, and it's not necessarily this that the skill is there now, but that it can be there at some point, and I think he sees Neiman practicing all, all on his own at night uh, and some sees that in him. Yeah, I guess I just, I don't know why I didn't put those dots together because I was just thinking, oh, he's not very good because everybody's saying he's not very good, and I don't know a whole lot about this. But that makes sense. I'm trying to remember what the guy's name is. It, it might have just been Joe Jones. Um, yeah, maybe it's Joe Jones. Uh yeah, he was an American jazz yeah. drummer. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, so it's kind of funny. Joe Jones uh, gets talked about several times in this movie as having thrown a symbol at Charlie Parker's head, and that's what made him the bird. Uh, and both parts of that story are actually untrue. Oh, really? So Joe Jones, yeah, Joe Jones never threw a symbol at Charlie Parker's head. He threw it on the ground, like hmm. making a gong, like Charlie Parker was playing. And Joe Jones just took a symbol off his kit and just threw it down on the ground as just like a, like, get out of here, gong, like, you're yeah. terrible. Um, and that is what drove Charlie Parker to try to be great, but he didn't throw it at his head. And uh, also, Charlie Parker is was called the bird, not because of that at all. Uh, there are, like, two reasons why most people think he was called the bird. Um, but the, the most likely was that he, uh, hit a bird with his bus and then <laughs> cooked it and ate it. Oh, oh what the frick? Like he hit, it was a chicken. He hit a chicken with his bus. Oh, it's not like a crab. No, no, no. Like it was a chicken and he, uh, like cooked it and ate it. Uh, and that's why Charlie Parker was called the bird. But it was just kind of funny that like that got that got told like several times in this movie, and it's just not true. Hmm. <laughs> Joe Jones did not do that. Uh, but yeah, so he uh, he pulls uh, Andrew into, uh, or he pulls him up, and he says, "Tomorrow at this room, six a.m. Don't be late." Mm-hmm. And then he gets there at like he actually ends up waking up late. He gets there super early. Yeah, I guess they're like six fifteen, yeah. six thirty, and there's no one there. And he looks on the door, and practice doesn't start till nine. <laughs> and I don't know, about, I don't know what you guys thought, but I felt like it was just like the first example of uh, Fletcher just messing with him. Yeah, seriously, it was weird too because he pulled him in afterwards, and he was trying to give him some sort of nice guy routine, like you're here for a reason. Yeah say it yeah and like all that stuff and i was like why is he doing this yeah. and just have fun yeah. man. Well, th- don't worry about what the other guys are thinking it felt so much like the military like and that's kind of how the military does it too with recruiters like your recruiters are super nice they're like yeah this is going to be a, a good thing like here's kind of what you need to do but then you're gonna get in the military and then you get into boot camp and they're just screaming at you and like getting you and i really think that was part of what he was doing was he was breaking him. and i think that, so that he, he almost like he is like trying to find dirt on Neiman because Neiman, he asks him some questions about his parents and Neiman tells him what his dad does and how his mom left. And he uses that throughout the rest of the movie to just emotionally berate Neiman. And so it's almost like he's just using it as like emotional manipulation leverage. It's kind of funny. Um, I don't know if this was on purpose or, or if this was written or if this was a decision by JK, but uh, Andrew tells him his name, and it's funny. We but like I started by saying it wrong, but I, most people say it wrong. Andrew tells him his name is Andrew Neiman, and the entire movie Simmons calls him Neiman. I never picked up on that, and that's what like we all like. <laughs> yeah. Like he's Neiman, Andrew Neiman, and it's like actually his name's Neiman, uh, but. That like it, I just feel like like at every turn, 
Fletcher is just trying to dehumanize. Uh, and like you said, Scott, just kind of break him down, break his spirit, break his will. I love this scene, though, uh, this sequence, because we have a lot of fast cuts when he realizes that he's late. And like they get there and then all the other musicians in and and it's all these fast cuts, fast cuts, fast cuts. It builds up all this anxiety. And then we come down with this like break and they're out in the hallway. And it's this like couple of really long cuts of Simmons just like putting him at ease, putting him at ease, putting him at ease. And then once again, we get back into the room and the cuts start to happen faster and faster and faster and faster. And it's just such a, a cool example to me of a movie using editing to advance emotion. Mm. Because this movie, the, one of the things I love so much about it is it uses two things to really heighten the emotion of what's happening. Because let's be honest, a movie about a music school is probably boring. And People that aren't into it, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I, I like... I don't think any of us were particularly into jazz music when we saw this. It's even just a, so another way that this is similar to, or reminds me of social network, how they take this, this probably not that interesting subject matter and they make it exciting and stressful. And they do it through the same way that social network did, which is editing and score. Yeah. Like they use music in this, which it's about music. And so it's a, like a very like, uh, natural thing to use, but they use this music to create this sense of anxiety and tension and drama that otherwise might not be there. But he uh, he puts uh, Andrew after this like slow moment. He puts him on the on the throne to play Whiplash in uh, halftime, and Neiman can't seem to get the timing right. He keeps, like, cutting him and, like, not quite my time, not quite my time. And I don't know about you guys, but, like, to my untrained ear, I'm like, I can't hear the difference. Yeah. Yeah, that whole scene where I was like, I'm just going to trust that he knows what he's talking about better than I do because he's saying nonsense words that I don't know what they mean, and he's he's playing it the same way every time to my ear, but something there that's got to be wrong. Well, I think that's that's part of what the movie's doing, too, is, like, just showing how much of an expert this guy actually is. Because even Neiman himself, at one point he asked him, were you rushing or were you dragging? And he says, I don't know. And so for him, they were all the same too. And he's the one doing it. Yeah. Well, and, but I also wonder because in like, just before this, you remember he's like, like berates this one guy for being out of tune. I was just going to bring that up. And he sends him out and he was like, actually Mets, you were the one out of tune, but he didn't know, and that's bad enough. I just don't know why that guy that was out of tune didn't get any punishment. Get kicked out as well. <laughs> I think because Fletcher like thrived on creating a world of chaos and fear. Yeah, and fear. Yeah, yeah. He just wanted everyone to be afraid of him. It's kind of like when a new boss comes in and just fires someone just to get everyone to realize that they're the new one in charge. Or, like, a lot of substitute teachers have the same sort of, like, uh, attitude when they walk into classrooms. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I'm just, like, I'm just going to be... Make an example of someone. Yeah, yeah. Punk somebody and, like, let everyone else know, like, I'm not going to put up with anything. Yeah. Um, but uh, I loved... Uh, <laughs> I loved this scene. It, like, J.K. Simmons, I wanted to use an audio clip of, like right after the one that I used in the intro of when he's screaming it at Neiman, uh, because like, it's so iconic that, mm -hmm. that yelling at him. Uh, but it is so explicit. <laughs> that Like we would have gotten taken down off of iTunes. I yeah. I started thinking about my favorite lines for this movie and I was like, can I say any of these on the podcast? They're all way too explicit, but you know, but it was pretty cool. I learned that uh, through, you know, doing some reading about this movie, I learned that uh, that whole scene, the rushing or dragging, because he starts smacking him on the face. He was like, you know, like, count! And he's like, one, two, three, and then he smacks him. One, two, three, and he smacks him. Yeah, he keeps smacking him on the four beat. And he's like, was I rushing or was I dragging? He's like, I don't know. Let's do it again. One, two, three, smack! Like, So in all of their rehearsal... They so you do know the difference. Yeah. In all of their rehearsal, they faked the slap 
but in the actual cut that's in the movie, JK is actually smacking Miles Teller in the face. Like, just full hand-cocked back, slapping him across yeah, so the face. So he wasn't acting. He was actually surprised yeah. and startled. Actually startled, surprised, actually in pain, actually. Uh, and uh, But uh, he's completely humiliated by Simmons in this moment. And Simmons sends him back to, you know, turn pages. And, and it sets Neiman on this drive to, uh, you know, move his drum or move his bed into his... Uh, practice drum room so he's just gonna sleep with his drums like he's just gonna practice yeah, and sleep he ups his practice game and uh to your point earlier he uh falls in love with a girl but then decides to end it mm-hmm. like very abruptly mm-hmm. and kind of callously i don't know what you guys thought about that yeah a little bit um we do see some glimpses of of neiman's outside life as well he has a, a pretty cool relationship with his dad where they go to the movies like every Friday night and um, this this girl is working at the movie theater. And I think it's, uh, it's I kind of liked how it was right after Fletcher chooses Neiman to be a part of the studio band that like right after that, we see him go to the theater and ask this girl out. Um, kind of like he, he finally got the confidence that he needed. And she says some, something to the extent of like, whenever I see you, your, your eyes are always right down at the, at the floor. So like Neiman's kind of feeling kind of proud of himself at this point. Um, and then we, we see them go on a date. And the first time I was watching this, um, or not the very first time, but last this last time I was watching it, I felt like this scene, this was the one scene I didn't love. Um, it felt a little clunky, a little awkward. And I was like, why are we watching this scene? And then I kind of had the thought, like, maybe it's because we're just watching an awkward date unfold. And... Um, <laughs> you kind of see that Neiman is kind of an awkward kid and so is this girl. And she even kind of says like, I don't really like feel like I am fitting in very much at my school. And so um, they, they're kind of bonding over kind of being outsiders, but there's a really interesting line when um, like Neiman asks her like, what do you want to do? And she's like, I don't really know. And like, this is where I go. And he's like, well, why do you go there? And she's like, ah, it like they accepted me pretty much. And he, like, kind of, like, doesn't really have a lot of respect for that. And he then kind of starts to, like, puff up um, his school. What's it called again? His, where he goes? It's a fake school. It's not a real I know, school. but what's yeah, it called? I, the fake Juilliard. Yeah, I don't even remember what it's called. He puffs up his, important his fake Juilliard and kind of talks about how he's kind of a big deal. And you can kind of see early on that this is going to be kind of a wedge between them. And then, like you said, Tyler, later on when he kind of realizes what he's really in for in this studio band, he, he cuts it off with her. <laughs> Schaefer. Uh, cool. Oh, Schaefer, I just yeah. wanted to say it was kind of funny. I don't really, I read this and I, I can't understand how this can possibly be accurate, but Melissa Benoist, uh, who is, who plays the girl, the, the love interest, mm-hmm. Was the top build actor in this movie? What? What? Yeah. Even though she's only in it, did for they like not less than ten minutes? Just like do it alphabetically. But that because how? Could, no, no, no. So like top top billing is like uh, highest, paid. highest paid. Oh, I see what you mean. Wait, what? That makes even less yeah. sense. I know. More than J.K. Simmons. I know. Apparently, that's I, that's why I read it again. It made no sense to me that she got paid more than J.K. Simmons, uh, but she apparently got highest billing. And uh, right after this, went on to land uh, the Supergirl franchise, which it's not like you know it's an Academy Award winner. It's a TV show. It's not even like it's an Emmy winner. Uh, it was just a high dollar. Role, mm-hmm. Like, like she's making a lot of money. Like, she probably made... And high visibility. And high visibility. She probably made more money off of uh, Supergirl than either Miles Teller or J.K. Simmons made off of Whiplash. Uh, but, yeah, I don't get it. But she's... I mean, I didn't, think, I didn't even think she was that good in this movie. And so when I read that, I was blown away. I feel away. like there wasn't even enough of her for me to know if she was that good or that bad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I, I knew, I mean, obviously we all know who J.K. Simmons was before this, but I even knew who Miles Teller was, but I had never heard of this, of, uh, of her before. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, she uh, she did very well for herself in this movie. Interesting. Who knows why? Hmm. B- big mistake on Damien Chazelle's part. <laughs> Maybe he could get J.K. Simmons on board for Whiplash 2 if he paid him more, you know? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Uh, so he breaks up with this girl and, and we see another really interesting interaction that he has, uh, outside of the classroom and it's with his, uh, what I, I guess is his dad's family, like his dad's sister or something like that, or his dad's brother. But he sits down with his like aunt and uncle and his dad for dinner and his two cousins come in and like one of them is like up for like model UN or something like that, and the other's up for one of them's like a, pro a football, football player, player. not or pro no, college. He's go into college. Yeah, yeah, he's a college football player, and you just see Neiman's level of like disgust with them. Mm-hmm. Well, I and think, like, his family's inability to understand what he's really doing. Yeah, I think part of it was that they just skipped over everything he was doing and jumped right into their stuff. Like, even interrupted him when anybody walked in the room in the middle of his talking. Like, yeah. That was like, that's why I was trying to defend him in the movie to myself. Like, at the, at, to this point, still, <laughs> I was like, well, they were being really inconsiderate and all that stuff. But then I was like, oh, no. He's let this go to his head. But I was trying real hard to, to like this guy. Yeah, I think that it's it's easy for us to want to like Neiman because he's the he's our protagonist, he's our main character. But I think that he has a lot of like hateable qualities. A lot of hateable qualities. Like he's he's uh, very single minded. He's very uh, arrogant. He's very entitled. Uh, we see in you know this uh, in a couple of different moments, but one in particular when they're uh, going to a uh, competition and, you know, the bus breaks down and he, you know, rents a car and he finally gets there and uh, he's like, all right, I'm giving the part to Ryan or whatever his name was, the redheaded guy. And he's like, no, F you, this is my part. Like he just had a, a strong sense of like entitlement and, you know, that he was truly greater than maybe he really was. Yeah. So it's funny. We actually only see him uh, perfectly execute two songs in the entire movie. Hmm. Really? That's. Yeah. I, I didn't realize. I guess I thought he was a really yeah. good drummer. Like he is, but he still struggles at like. He still struggles at things. So he's great, but he's not like, he's not what he is in his own head, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was interesting because I thought that it, in some ways it's like he and, uh, he and Fletcher were really like kind of born for each other. But anyway, uh, we'll just keep on that uh, plot point that I was talking about. So he, he ends up getting in a massive car accident. Yeah, he forgot his drumsticks at the car rental place. Yeah. And so he had to drive the car back, get his drumsticks, and then drive back. And on his way back, he was speeding and ran an intersection. And got Talking about this being a yeah. horror movie, and that scared the crap out of me. I was not ready for that to happen <laughs> at all. Uh, and I, car accidents like that always catch me off guard in movies, but this one really hit me. Like, I, I was not ready for this. <laughs> yeah. It's like a real car accident. Yeah, you just really <laughs> don't see it coming. Interestingly, uh, Miles Teller is sort of like, uh, maybe not famous for, but everyone recognizes that he has some massive scars on his face. Like he has one big scar across his throat and then he has a big gash on his cheek and I think something on his forehead. And uh, interestingly, he was, I think, wanting to do something else when he was younger and he was in a horrific car accident Mm. that like really disfigured him. And there was a lot of surgeries and everything like that. And like through that road, I think he wanted to be an athlete and it, he was not able to do that anymore. And so through that ended up becoming an actor. Uh, that's so I thought it was an interesting parallel with this character. That's strangely the same, not the athlete part, but the same situation for Jonah Hill. Miles um, Teller's castmate in War Dogs. Same thing happened to Jonah Hill. Oh. He was also in a, in a pretty bad car accident and you can see his scars in some of his movies as well. I think his are on his arm, though. Gotcha. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's funny that like being someone with like scars on your face that you would then think like, well, I guess I'll be an actor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Less makeup required if you're playing a role that has scars. That's true. That's true. Uh, and he has a couple of times played movies that were sort of intentionally like characters that might have had, like he's gotten cast for his scars before. Um, but uh, yeah, so this, he has gets in this horrific car accident and ends up like climbing out and stumbling bloody onto stage. Yeah, he runs back. He's late. He's like coming onto stage as they're there and like kicks the other guy out. Like, no, this is me. Yeah. Bleeding all over the place. Yeah. Tries playing. But through like trauma and blood everywhere. Injury. Yeah. Uh, he's unable to continue. And he ends up, uh, Fletcher like tells him you're done. And he tackles him on stage. Uh, uh, Andrew tackles Fletcher on stage and uh, he ends up getting kicked out. Yep. Neiman, Neiman ends up getting kicked out of the school. It's kind of interesting. Um, when he tackled J.K. Simmons on stage, Miles Teller actually broke two of J.K. Simmons' ribs. Oh. Oh. Well, he got back at <laughs> him. He's slapping so, him then. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he got back at him. <laughs> yeah. But uh, J.K. continued to shoot like he did the rest of the shoot uh, That's funny. with a couple of broken ribs. Yeah, and then after that, we had found out about, or maybe we had found out about the student before, but there was a previous student who was a musician who had ended up killing himself it's right. this yeah fletcher lies to us and tells us that uh he got into a car accident mm-hmm. or something like mm-hmm. that but then we find out after neiman gets kicked out that he actually killed himself and his parents were blaming fletcher for it mm-hmm. and so they asked him to make statements about fletcher in regards to like the accident and his attacking him yeah and so you find out he does make those statements and uh gets him fired yeah. I'm looking at Zach and Jake. Like, feel free if you guys have any. Scott and I are kind no, of you guys are you guys are nailing it. <laughs> Can't get a word in edgewise with Scott. So then some the time case. goes by. <laughs> some time goes by. Uh, we don't know how long, but but Neiman starts sort of like reevaluating his priorities. And mm-hmm. he even like kind of tries to reach out a couple of times. Like he pulls out his phone, like maybe he's going to reach out to this girl. I do again. not know why he thought she and would have anything to do with him. They dated for like a month. <laughs> and he's like, You're going to hold me back from my greatness. But now that I didn't make it, do you want to hang out? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he, for some reason thinks she might. And uh, he, you know, almost reaches out to her a few times and doesn't. And, you know, he still spend time with his dad. And But you could tell he's feeling a little lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he's walking by uh, a jazz club of some kind. I yeah, think, just right? a little bar. Yeah. And J.K. Simmons is in there, Fletcher, uh, playing the, the keys, playing some jazz. And so he's in there watching him, and then Fletcher sees him. And they make uh, contact, and they seem to be in good spirits towards each other and talking with each other. And uh, Fletcher tells them, like, hey, I actually have a band that's performing at some big place. Uh, JVC. JVC, yeah. I don't know what that is. It's a jazz festival. Oh. And uh, he invites him to come and be a part of his band because he's playing the old songs and he knows he's way better of a drummer than the guy that he currently has. Well, uh, there are a couple of things I want to point out here. Uh, one is that actually J.K. Simmons really does play the piano, but he hadn't played in years, so he had to take some lessons. Mm. Uh, so we haven't talked. Is about that really him yet, playing in the movie? Then that is really him hmm. playing in the movie. Um, but Miles Teller is most of the time it's n- he's actually playing the charts, like he's actually playing the songs, mm. but we're not hearing his real playing. We're hearing an overdub. Mm. Because he just actually couldn't keep up. Oof. So he's actually playing the music, but he really couldn't keep up with how fast some of the stuff was. Mm. Especially that like double time jazz, like that's insanely fast. That was one drumming. of the things I was like I was watching him was like, I feel like he's just flopping his wrists at this point, but maybe that's <laughs> how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> Kinda. Tyler uh, But Miles Teller actually has been playing the the uh, drums since he was fifteen. Hmm. He's he's not bad. 
Um, but J.K. Simmons, or I'm sorry, Damien Chazelle really wanted him for the role because of his drumming experience. Tyler, didn't you say uh, that when they when they filmed some of those intense drum scenes that Chazelle would cut, but he wouldn't say cut, and he'd yeah. So, uh, like we see uh, Andrew multiple times throughout the movie, literally playing to the point of apparent exhaustion. Uh, and like, and you know, having blisters and bleeding all over the place and everything like that, the blisters and the blood were real. And so was the exhaustion. The blood was real. So the blood was real. It was, it was Miles Teller's own blood, uh, on the kit and, uh, not in the car accident scene, but in earlier scenes when he's playing and there's, there's blood flying all over the place and blood on the, that's Hmm. real. That's Miles Teller's own blood. Um, and uh, in order to get him to that point of exhaustion, Damien Chazelle would just stop the cameras and just let Miles continue to play furiously uh, just so as to, for later takes, like actually be truly exhausted, which is kind of a cruel director move. Yeah. But it, it got the shot. It's In some ways, it's very Fletcher. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Damien Chazelle is Fletcher. Maybe it's based off of himself. <laughs> so uh, in the in the club, though, after he sees J.K. Simmons play, or Fletcher play, he, he goes to leave because Fletcher notices him. Uh-huh. And Fletcher calls him back, and they sit and have a drink, and he tells, again, the story of Joe Jones and Charlie Parker, which we've already talked about. Fictional. Um, but he says uh, that... You know, he did everything that he did to try and drive people to greatness. And uh, Teller says, would the, but isn't there a line? Like, wouldn't the next Charlie, couldn't the next Charlie Parker just give up? And he says, no, man, no. Because the next Charlie Parker would never quit. And I think that that, like, sparks for, for Andrew, like, the, oh, yeah, well, I quit, and I want to be the next Charlie Parker, so I need to get back in there. Mm-hmm. And that's when he drops the, hey, you want to come play with me? Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, and he kind of speaks out like, I saw that in you. Uh-huh. Yeah, and so he kind of like gives him some like high value, like, oh, maybe I'm misremembering, and like this guy's actually nice. And So, yeah, he gets him to come out to this jazz festival, and he gets on stage, and they're going to play, quote-unquote, all the old ones with the the stuff from the from, from the, the previous. from the previous band the studio yeah. band like Whiplash and Caravan and he calls some of those out by name mm-hmm. and so he's looking through the the sheets and none of it is the old stuff it's all brand new stuff he's never played before yeah so he introduces yeah we're gonna play some uh, some old songs some new songs and we're gonna start off by playing uh, a new song by someone you know so and so and. And the whole band gets ready, and they flip their their pages, and they have the new charts, and Neiman doesn't. And Fletcher walks over to him and just kind of leans down at the kit and says, you don't think I know it was you that ratted me out? Yeah, and before this, he had set it up where uh, there was there's a lot of, like, music critics here, and he basically says, like, if you fail once here, like, you're never going to make it. So, like, I'm ruining I was just going to include that that line that he says, but Tyler already covered it. Okay. Oh, what? Which one? The, uh, oh, like, the, I knew it. You don't, yeah, you don't think exactly, you know. yeah. Uh, and so the band starts playing, and, and Andrew kind of fumbles his way through it, but he's terrible. Yeah, completely awful. Because he, you know, how could he be good? Like, he's never heard this song before. Or if he's heard it, he's certainly never heard it. he didn't even have the notes to look at. Like, he had nothing. He didn't have the sheet music in front of him. Yeah, he was just kind of like, what would be the right term there? Uh, Out in the cold. left out to dry. I was thinking of. uh, Out to dry. It'll come to me, but keep going. High and dry, (laughs) don't leave me high. It's got to happen. I was improvising. Improv. Oh, wow. <laughs> Tyler and I were oh, way yes, off base. Was, <laughs> yeah, I we feel were like you uh, were off. more on track with, what he w- with where Scott was going with that sentence. But thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you got trapped by your own sentence structure on that. 
He Thanks. does, though. He does kind of try to improv, improv a little bit, and then he just gives up and walks off the stage. And we see a moment that I... I mean, it's sad. It broke my heart, but I really like... Um, we haven't really talked very much about, but I, I really love the relationship between Andrew and his dad. Me too. And his dad is here, and there's a really cool, very quick, but really cool shot of his dad getting up and, and like literally like sprinting out of his seat to go console Andrew. And, and we see them kind of meet backstage and he just like wraps Andrew in this big bear hug. Um, and I, even from the very beginning when they're in the movie theaters, I remember thinking to myself like, I can't wait to do this with my son, go to the movies and like establish traditions and pour the raisinets in the popcorn and just kind of have our little idiosyncrasies together. That was the most upsetting um, part of this movie. Just eat around yeah. the raisinets and the popcorn. I meant to bring it up at the beginning and I forgot to and I was like, well, it's too late. What What was that, Jake? The raisinets and the popcorn was the most upsetting part of this movie for me. I'm surprised that uh, since you will just fixate on little things that upset you and it ruins the entire movie for you, I'm surprised that you were able to get past that and enjoy little this Little things like not liking who the movie's about. <laughs> I don't think that's yeah. that little. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, he, we see we see him kind of console Andrew, but Andrew doesn't accept that this is his fate, and he walks back out and he hops back on the on the kit and just starts playing, and he he dives into Caravan, I believe it is. Yeah, I Caravan. like what he does. Yeah. When uh, uh, Fletcher walks up to him, he's like, "What are you doing?" And he's just like, "I'll cue you in." Like when he just yeah. Takes it. <laughs> It's a uh, grace. It's like the, for the first time, and it's not till the very end, but it's the first time where Fletcher doesn't feel like this huge juggernaut of a force where he feels like, oh, you know what? He can be messed with a little bit. He's not a, he can be humanized a little bit. Oh, yeah. He totally, Andrew totally humanized, uh, humanized Fletcher in this moment. And then something beautiful happens. We have a nine minute drum solo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. So it's about two minutes too short. No, so it was it was actually the solo was only five minutes, but the whole sequence of him going back out on the drums and the whole playing, because the band plays for a little bit of it too, so it's not really a five minute solo, but it's a nine minute song. Um but he there's this beautiful moment for me where he's playing and he knocks over a cymbal. And J.K. Simmons comes up into frame and he sets it back up and he just, with this intensity in his eyes, just shakes his head. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, then, like, kind of, then they work together and, and Simmons kind of, like, coaches him through some dynamic, like, bring it down, bring it down, now build up, come on, come on, give it, give it, come on. And then the fanfare comes back in which is it's such a great it's one of the things i love about this movie is um it doesn't have this black and white ending of like andrew won and fletcher lost it's like fletcher kind of got what he wanted like it's like he's seen he like i finally got like he finally got to the charlie parker you know like i pushed him hard enough almost like to where he would probably think he was completely justified in everything he did oh absolutely absolutely yeah, vindicated in what mm-hmm. he did because he had this moment of d- of making Charlie Parker happen. He got to be Joe. That was yeah. my thought, like right at the end, where I was like so happy. I was like, wait, I feel like Fletcher still still won too, and I was a little bummed about that. But you're... yeah, and and here's the thing about the nine minute song is you kind of mentioned this at the very beginning, Scott, but like it builds so much anxiety. That when I'm gonna get like I'm almost getting choked up right now, like just remembering it. But when he finally like breaks it and the fanfare happens, and mile or you know Andrew finally like hits that last that last beat and just looks up at him with this just ear to ear grin, like yeah, this triumph and the movie's over. I realize that I haven't breathed <laughs> for like five minutes. Uh, like I just like let out that every single time I've watched it, I just let out this massive breath at the very end that I've been holding for the last nine minutes. And, uh, the scene is, it's so masterfully done. This is, uh, when we, we see Chazelle, um, do his classic whip pans as well, isn't it Tyler? Yes. Yeah, it is. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And uh, yeah, because he's whipping back and forth between. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, he does it several times throughout the movie, but this is where it's it's most dramatic, and he's whipping back and forth uh, between uh, Andrew and Fletcher and the band. And oh man, it it is just tremendous. Uh, and just the the acting for both of them, especially J.K. Though how much he communicates in those nine minutes with just his eyes, you know, like it. Uh, I I can't say mm-hmm. that. I'm like nonsensical at this point because I I just I can't even put into words. I'm I'm left speechless. Uh, but yeah, all right. Well, uh, any favorite uh, lines, favorite parts? Yeah, I don't even know if we can attempt to recast this movie. Oh, I There's had no thought, no actually. one. <laughs> Two thoughts. Go for it. So you replace um, Neiman with Tommy McGuire, and you put Raimi at the helms, and you give us the <laughs> Spider-Man reunion that we've been looking for for a long time. <laughs> J.K. Simmons, Tobey yeah. Maguire. I would recast uh, the girl as Zoe Deschanel. <laughs> if you want, that's to fair. Ruin that's it. fair. Scott. Yeah, I uh, I would not touch recasting this with a 10 foot mm, pole yeah <laughs> like I don't, it's perfect it's just don't mess with it toby toby's um, interesting i could get on board with that i think oh i couldn't i couldn't do it glad you're coming around to my way of thinking. now andrew garfield andrew garfield maybe maybe i could get on board with that i see that one way more than i see Toby Mac. Yeah. <laughs> Toby, Toby Mac. Toby Mac. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Favorite lines, favorite, uh, favorite parts for me. Uh, I would say that my favorite, uh, I would, <laughs> I would say that my, my favorite part is when, uh, early in the film, uh, Simmons is just screaming at Andrew and Andrew just is kind of letting like a single tear roll down. And he's like, are you one of those single tear people? You know, you, now you're weeping and crying all over my drum set like a nine-year-old girl. Like, he's just screaming at him. The intensity in that scene is just, I, I don't think I, I don't think I can think of an equally intense performance other than that. Yeah, I don't know if I can either. Anyone else? Favorite, favorite line, favorite scene? I don't know if I have a favorite line, um, but... Definitely that scene where not quite my tempo. Everything yeah. that we played yeah. at the beginning plus the next five The minutes. next five minutes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there were multiple. Jake already kind of said this earlier, but there were multiple lines in this where I thought to myself, like, this is a great line that I could totally use, but it's way too explicit and vulgar for me to include on the podcast. <laughs> um, my favorite part, without a doubt, is the, the last performance. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard to... Yeah. It's either the last performance or the uh, the not my tempo. Like those are the two scenes. But I think it's the last performance. I I loved watching the nine minute song for the entire time. I wasn't tired of it. I wasn't like, all right, let's wrap it up. I'm just like, all right, yeah, this is tense yeah. and it's good and I like. I've even gone back a few times in between watching this movie because um, I've I've watched this movie a few times, not a ton, um, but in times in between, I've actually gone back and just watched the, the last song on YouTube a few times before. It's kind of interesting. Um, uh, one thing to point out that we haven't mentioned is that there are several songs that are like identified as like some classical jazz thing that actually aren't classical jazz. They were actually written for the movie hmm. uh, by Horowitz. Really? Which ones? Uh, the song, uh, at the pizza place where they're, uh, where he's on his first date and he like identifies the song. He's like, oh, this is by so-and-so and and it's something. There's no such musician. Uh, that's Hurwitz wrote that. Interesting. Um, a couple of the, uh, a couple of the like JVC songs that they were like doing or practicing were just written by Hurwitz. They weren't real, like... (laughs) classical jazz songs or anything like I that. I believe the one that J.K. Simmons plays in um, that bar as well was written by Hurwitz. That's correct. That was written by Hurwitz. Hurwitz uh, has knocked it out of the park for every... Even First Man score is really good. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
he might be like I think Damien Chazelle is great in his own right, but Damien Chazelle might not be as good without Hurwitz. Yeah. I hope that they continue to collaborate as long as they can. All right. Well, it's that time, guys, uh, where we uh, rate this movie. Uh, Jake has uh, already spun up the servers for me. He spent the last two weeks really fine-tuning it so that we could have them running all the time. And uh, we're even working on uh, having them stable enough to be able to uh, be accessible to you guys at any time so that you can see our scores. But for now, uh, we can just have them ourselves uh, and on the podcast. So uh, we've got everything spun up, and it's time to put some numbers into our vastly sophisticated algorithm. Uh, I know that this bit is played out, but I'm just going to keep, like, upping the ante on it. So, you know. Zach, what do you think this move? What do you think of this movie? Um, I'm going to give Whiplash a 9.5 confusingly attractive J.K. Simmons's. <laughs> I can see it. S- Scott? Uh, I'm going to give it 7.9 chair throws. Ooh. I'm going to give it uh, an 8.75 just jump scare car accidents. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to give this 9.3 uh, missing music folders. All right, so this movie comes out to an 89% on Rotten Potatoes. Uh, I could be incorrect, but I'm, I'm almost certain that this is our second highest rated movie of all time uh, after... We have two 91s. Oh, we have two 91s. Uh, after A Few Good Men and what was our other Braveheart name? above it. Oh, Braveheart, yeah. Braveheart and uh, A Few Good Men were both 91. This came in just underneath it at an 89% on Rotten Potatoes. Just as a reminder for everybody listening, the other guys gave this a 93, uh, but IMDb gave this an 8.5. So we were right in between those two. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to uh, tune in with us next week uh, where we're going to be covering Jake's movie. What is that, Jake? really excited about it i'm surprised scott hadn't seen oh yeah that's definitely a movie i think i've seen all the major parts like in like clips but i've never sat down and watched the movie uh as long as you know the sam jackson speech i don't oh well then yeah you you haven't seen any of the major that's my favorite (laughs) sam jackson uh mine too well, make sure to tune in for us next week for that. Uh, before you get out of here, though, uh, Zach, do you have any final thoughts for, for our tots? Um, 